This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Chuck Connor, President and CEO of the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with NCFC's Chuck Connor next. Today's Open Mic segment is brought to you by America's Crop Insurance Industry, which is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. Providing individualized protection on more than 311 million acres of farmland, crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. The annual meeting of the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives is virtual this week. NCFC President and CEO Chuck Cotter says they finished 2020 much better than they would have expected given the weather events and the COVID pandemic. And there is no shortage of issues here at the beginning of 2021. In a public policy setting, you couldn't, you couldn't have a more volatile time than what we are in right now. I've been at this a very, very long time, and I'm going to first and foremost stand in front of my members and say I, I'm not sure how to interpret a lot of this because I've, I've never seen anything like the political circumstances that we are in, the division that exists, you know, not only in, in Washington, but I would describe it as across the country, which is, is why it does exist in Washington. And, and, you know, we're just going to have to be very, very nimble in dealing with a lot of issues. And there are going to be a lot of issues to talk about. Uh, a few that I'll just mention briefly and we can go through in more detail, but certainly, uh, we, uh, still have our 199A tax issue to deal with. Um, sort of one of the very, very last, uh, hours decision of the Trump administration before they exited was to go final on a rule that in our opinion, uh, limits an important deduction for farmers, and without that deduction, I think many farmers are going to pay more in taxes. We feel like there's a real opportunity, Jeff, on immigration and labor issues. Um, this has been a decade-long, if not longer, problem for American agriculture. It's one of my great uh, uh, failure stories, if you will, in my public policy life, because I've been working at this for a very, very long time, and we still haven't gotten legislation done. And then finally, Jeff, I would mention climate change. We have been working on climate change for uh, many, many months now, long before uh, the presidential election, because we felt like there were issues that, were, that could be very, very positive for American agriculture that we could work on in the climate space. But now with the election occurring and the new presidency, you know, he is flat out declaring this his you know number one legislative issue once they sort of solve the coronavirus crisis. So we know it's going to happen. I'm thankful that we've been working on this because we have a lot of good ideas, I think, that can be incorporated into work that the Biden administration wants to do. And, and of course, our, our ideas, uh, I describe them as... Uh, you know, they're, they're ideas that help farmers and not, uh, you know, have the government reaching in their pocket all the time. Uh, they're, they're, you know, they're income-enhancing um, ideas, and I believe because we've got them out there and the work we've done, there's a, a good chance of a lot of these issues prevailing, and we can ward off uh, those who would really want to shut down, uh, particularly animal agriculture in this country, in the in 
in the name of climate change. And, and we're not going to see that, in my opinion, and we're going to see some positive things. I'm going to put a plug in for AgriPulse. Uh, they've offered, uh, or we've offered, a new ebook, Agriculture Sustainable Future, Feeding More While Using Less. It seems to echo where we've uh, been hearing the Biden White House and leaders of Congress and nearly every other group talk about where we're going in the years ahead. With that much focus of policy um, coming through this lens of climate and sustainability, what ideas uh, do you have? Did the Food and Agriculture uh, Climate Coalition, what did you come for to suggest that, that agriculture can be and should be at the table? Well, in, in many ways, Jeff, our, um, our, our new ideas going forward uh, reflect some of what we have learned in the past. And I will describe it this way. Um, agriculture has had you know, environmental and resource problems in the past. Um, I, I talk about soil conservation, you know, soil loss, uh, wetlands protection, wildlife habitat, all those kinds of issues that have, that have been out there. And I don't want to say that they have been totally solved, but we have made tremendous progress in, in areas like that through a basic structure of um, technical assistance and cost share assistance with the producers, with the landowners. And that's been a model again that's that's been successful. And rather than you know reinvent the wheel and and go in a totally different direction, um, many of our recommendations follow that traditional model of of technical assistance and cost share relative to you know what we consider uh, climate friendly practices. This is something producers are obviously very comfortable with because again that's been our traditional model of of um, steering things in the right direction it enables them to have the opportunity to work you know with their their uh, local county folks at the uh, NRCS and other government agencies that that know them know their operation have been on their farm you know it's not sort of uh, some washington blind bureaucrat you know dictating what they should do who's never been on a farm i mean this is a very localized kind of system and at its foundation, that's a, a lot of our recommendations is to track that traditional model. And, and I think it'll be one that producers will find agreeable, acceptable, and, and, and again, will make, um, I think, great strides in this desire for us to, you know, as you, as you say, use our resources as carefully as possible and, and ultimately push forward with climate-friendly policies. Do you think this policy will come more from regulation or from legislation? I suspect legislation, Jeff, and, and you know, it's, it's a little early to tell. You know, it, it feels like um, the the Biden team has been there for, you know, many, many months, you know, given uh, all the executive orders and everything that's transpired. But the simple fact is they're on their second week. And so... Um, you know, it's, it's still a, a, a little early to, to necessarily pin these uh, things down, but I think there is a strong, strong desire uh, from, you know, the, the, the team that is now in charge, and I, I put Congress in this as well. They, they feel like they need to legislate uh, on this. I have no doubt President Biden will try and do some things through executive order, uh, as, as is demonstrated by his actions to date. 
but ultimately for this stuff to become sort of Im- embedded into the you know the laws of the government of the United States, legislation is required for much of it. I think they will seek legislation, and I think uh, you know the Democratic-controlled House and the Senate are going to oblige them and work very very hard to try and produce you know the climate bill of 2021 and whatever the however they decide to name it but i think we will see legislation do you think that there are those that would use again the lens of climate change to attack agriculture perhaps animal agriculture or commercial ag there's no question that 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 is going to happen Uh, there are members of congress and and it's it's not a you know, like it used to be, it's not one or two people that you just sort of look at and, and wonder where they came from. It's, you know, there's, there's a, a substantial number of them who, who buy into this uh, notion that um, agriculture and U.S. agriculture in particular are sort of the source of all of our climate woes and uh, that animal agriculture really ought to, you know, we, that we ought to be talking about uh, a phase-out, if you will, and, and, and a transition away from animal-based agriculture. I will just tell you, Jeff, they are still a minority. Uh, they're more than I wish them was there because I, I think it's, it's an insane point of view. But it's still a minority out there, provided we've got, you know, some, some good alternatives. Because where there is not a minority, Jeff, is the desire to do something here that would be considered climate friendly. I think there's a strong majority in Congress who want to do that. So we've got to play in this game, but just make sure that we're the ones putting forward the sound policies, the policies that farmers are comfortable with, the policies that are not going to get in their pocket, that are not going to have sort of blind Washington bureaucrats out there trying to tell them how to farm. And if we do our job right, I think we can avoid the, the, the more radical, you know, anti-agriculture point of view that is, is in Congress. But right now, uh, I don't believe reflects a majority of Congress. Well, there's truly a lot of difference between what a Green New Deal would mean for agriculture and what a carbon bank might mean for agriculture. Yeah. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, the, the Green New Deal has sort of taken on uh, all kinds of... Uh, supporters and detractors, um, you know, I, I hope for purposes of, of successful legislation that they stay away from, um, you know, any anything that sort of attempts to label this as the Green New Deal, because that, that will just uh, automatically send people running for cover uh, out there. And so I, I would, you know, propose something, you know, far more, uh, you know, inclusive than, than, than everything that that particular... Uh, I guess it's not legislation, but it's you know it's policies that have been put forward to uh, um, encompass, and, and that includes obviously a lot of things in the new Green Deal that are not pro agriculture, not pro farmer, and um, I, I don't think we need to go there in this debate. I think there's a strong majority that uh, want to do things based upon science, want to do things based upon incentives rather than. Um, uh, regulatory hammers, and uh, I, I'm I'm not afraid of this debate, Jeff. I think we can not only survive it, but actually win it. Chuck, you have served your time doing the heavy lifting uh, at the Department of Agriculture. An opinion question: Does the Secretary have the authority to use the CCC funds for carbon bank? Well, there's no question, Jeff, that the Commodity Credit Corporation authorities under the Charter Act are broad. And, uh, you know, you don't need to look 
further than just the, the last year and how the CCC has been used to, to, to know that the Secretary has very, very broad authorities. When I was there, as you know, as when and you would call the lawyers in and ask them what can and can't be done. Basically, the the answer generally was, if it's something that can be viewed as um, enhancing farm income, you can probably do it under the Charter Act, and and that's a that's a pretty broad measure. So, can he do it? Uh, I would say probably. Uh, and you know I'm not a lawyer, but I, I do have experience with this, and there are very, very broad authorities. I think the bigger question is, you know, will he choose to do that, particularly in light of, of the fact that, you know, in the last year there has been a lot of criticism about the former secretary for stretching that authority, for going around Congress, for going around the appropriators, and and in some cases, you know, some accusations that by in effect, using the the CCC authority so loosely for coronavirus assistance that 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 they, there was a time when they weren't even sure they were going to have enough money left there to operate the the normal commodity programs. And I know Vilsack is very sensitive to that. He's he has you know told me that personally. And so I think you're going to see him less likely to sort of push the limits of that authority and more likely to to want to try and work with Congress to get approval for the funding to use in the CCC for those purposes. We go out of the skillet and into the fire, Chuck. You mentioned this before, in the waning hours of the Trump administration, some changes with regard to Section 199A uh, and that tax situation. What do you hope for to resolve that situation, and how did those actions throw things out of balance? Well, two years ago, uh, Jeff, as many as you know and many of your listeners know, you know, we, we were... Uh, with the passage of the tax bill, we were we were caught in in what was called the grain glitch, and it was a circumstance where co-ops were really given sort of a, a deduction far in excess of what we had you know asked Congress to maintain for us, and so that 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 glitch was fixed with the, the a passage of another bill, and it was. Uh, an agreement that was negotiated between ourselves and, and uh, the big grain companies, and, and really all of agriculture was involved in those negotiations. And we thought it was done, but when the regulation came out, you know, they changed that deal uh, that Congress had negotiated, and we we spent two years fighting it. We thought we maybe had it. Um, in a good position because it looked like the Trump administration was not going to get the rule done uh, before they left office, but they they sort of rushed and got it through uh, and literally on the last day proposed the final regulation. And and again, it does change this deduction. It changes the fix to the grain glitch that Congress passed. And we're going to try and work with the uh, Biden administration to pull back that final rule, which, again, was done sort of in the last hour of the, the Trump administration, and get them to repropose it in a way that is consistent with what Congress intended and consistent with the fix to the green glitch that caused so much consternation out there in farm country a couple of years ago. As you mentioned uh, earlier, President Biden has expressed an interest in immigration reform. Is this administration and is the 117th Congress in place as it is now a place that we can finally get some reform that agriculture needs without having to take on the whole immigration issue? Jeff, I sure hope so. And, and again, I expressed earlier this has been a frustration for me because I, I have worked on this and really sort of led an agricultural coalition uh, 
on this issue for for the better part of a decade, and and we've been unsuccessful, and and that that uh, that eats away at at all of us and me in particular. I do think this is a better environment for us to fix this problem. We're still trying to weigh whether it's best for us to try and solve agriculture's problems by legislation uh, um, individually, in other words, just agricultural uh, issues, or to whether we should be a part of a broader group that is also trying to fix other immigration issues. And that's, that's yet to be determined. You know, again, we're just two weeks into this new presidency, and so we're, you know, we're trying not to make snap judgments, but, but thoughtful analysis. But we do think in general that this is a better climate to get this issue fixed. And it, it's so important we do, Jeff. I, I remind folks every time that uh, we're talking about um, a majority of the workforce in American agriculture consisting of those who do not have you know, the, the legal uh, documentation, the legal framework to be in this country. We can't lose you know, uh, over half of our workforce, Jeff, and do what we do for, uh, you know, for Americans and for many in the world, which is you know, feed them quite nicely. Uh, it, it, it would just create uh, cataclysmic consequences if you took those workers away. And so every year, you know, we just sort of ignore and pretend like the problem doesn't exist and they, they, they keep on doing what they're doing. But, you know, that's not a good way to operate. We've got to come up with a way of, of creating a, a legal status for these people that have been here for a long time, worked on our farms and ranches, want to continue to work on our farms and ranches, and, uh, you know, are really serving the American people by doing that. And, um, and it's, just, it's just a fundamental problem that needs fixing, I hope, 2021 is the year. We passed a bill in the Senate in 2013. We passed a bill in the House in 2019, but we couldn't get it through the other body either time. Maybe 2021 is the year we can actually get it passed in both bodies. President Biden has made an appeal to buy American. I have to believe that sets well with your organization. It does, Jeff. I will just tell you, as I talk to people around the country about you know issues that we're working on, nothing creates... Um, more enthusiasm than, than the, um, the idea of Buy American. And we've been working on this for actually for quite a while um, and, and has been our policy for quite a while. But the problem we, you know, we've got, um, we've, we've got some pretty strong Buy American requirements in current law, particularly as it relates to school lunch programs and school feeding programs where, you know, the U.S. government buys a lot of product out there. They buy a lot of, you know, canned fruits and vegetables. They buy a lot of uh, meats and seafoods and, you know, all these kinds of things. And, you know, the law says that except under the most, you know, extreme circumstances, they, that has to be American product. You know, if you're using U.S. tax dollars, you better be buying American product kind of thing. And that just simply hasn't been the case in the past. And, you know, we've we've raised concerns about this uh, for a long time, but enforcement just seems to be elusive. So it's our hope with this, you know, new executive order that President Biden has put out there, we don't necessarily, you know, need uh, a, a law change as much as we just need enforcement of what's there. And it's our hope to get it because, again, as I travel, when I go out and tell people, guess what, folks, your tax dollars are being used to buy, you know, canned peaches from China or, 
you know, seafood processed in Russia or, you know, something to that effect, you know, it, it gets people's shackles a, a little little rattled and, and they don't like that. And, and there's, there's nothing more popular out there than buy American when it comes to federal procurement of food. And we're going to continue to push, push this issue because it's important to us. And, uh, again, I, in my view, vast majority of the people are almost demanding it and saying, why, why in the heck has this been going on? Chuck, we know that trade is important to agriculture. It's important to the nation's cooperatives. What do you hope for from the Biden administration and their position on global trade, whether it's a return to TPP or a continued negotiation uh, with uh, some trading partners uh, where we've had success? Well, I think it's all of the above, Jeff. Um, you know, our hope for the, the, the Biden administration is – you know, just some some thoughtful trade policy here, and and I say that thoughtful because obviously a challenge you know that that, that we face in agriculture right now is that you know there there there's clearly a sense you know within the the Biden administration that it, you know if if the the Trump administration did something we probably ought to be doing the, the you know the opposite of that, and that and that's just the sort of political environment that we're in, and yet um, obviously. Um, you know, well known that commodity prices are on the rise. Well known that commodity prices are you know are rising because of um, export demand you know that exists, and, and much of that demand is being fueled by China. So we need thoughtful trade policy, not you know to sort of rock that boat in agriculture. You know, even though again the instinct is well, you know, Trump negotiated this agreement. You know, the Chinese have agreed to do this, but we're going to you know going to go in a different direction. It needs to be thoughtful. I will just tell you more broadly on trade beyond China. Um, I just I, I do hope we can get back, you know, into a a circumstance where we're you know we're talking about um, trade agreements, you know, around the globe that uh, you know do result in, in a reduction of barriers. We've been a little bit out of this game. Um, in the last four years, and and you know we we need to to reengage this in a very very major way uh, going forward um, because our you know our our future just continues to depend upon these export markets. You know we've got to diversify those markets beyond just China, of course, and you know the way to do that is through trade agreements. And um, I know this is going to be tough for the Biden administration. Uh, as a U.S. senator, he was not a huge fan of trade agreements. But again, you know, thoughtful analysis here. There's there's great gains to be made for American agriculture by being uh, engaged in this trade debate, and that's where I hope they they end up. Well, Chuck Connor, we want to thank you for taking time to be with us on this edition of Open Mic. We hope you have a great meeting this week with your membership. It is Open Mic, and today you have the last word. Well, let me just say, Jeff, as somewhat as I started here, and and that is. Our farmer co-ops are just thankful for the, you know, the year that we've had. And where we started, the uncertainty that we faced, we weren't sure, you know, what what was going to happen to, you know, our companies, what was going to happen to our farmer members, were we going to get things planted, you know, all of those sorts of questions. And, and today I'm going to stand in front of my membership and, and talk about um, farmers having, you know, better income opportunities because of rising prices about co-ops having, you know, normal to near normal years in terms of uh, sales 
And we know there's a lot of sectors that, that can't make that claim, and we're just thankful to be one of them. And I'm going to remind them of the, you know, a lot of work to be done going forward. But let's not forget how thankful we, we are for the gains that we uh, were able to achieve in 2020 in, in, in a very, very tough year. Our thanks to Chuck Connor, President and CEO of the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Alley.